What's up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight, where we're coming at you each and every week with a fresh weekend to debrief in an effort to send biblical truth. And what better way to do that than by the power of conversation? I'm Alicia Battaglia in the host seat, and joining us today is Abby Lindenberg. How are you, Abby? <laughs> good, good. How good, you? good, good, good. <laughs> so is there much ha- activity happening with the youth and all of that kind of stuff right now just kind of gearing up for the holidays nothing specific but just you know volunteering with operation christmas child and that kind of stuff until the holidays really hit (laughs) very good yeah and we we brought our boxes yesterday and then coming into the church building the whole lobby's full yeah Yeah. the lobby is full yes and you have heard him he uh over here is our Student Ministry Director and guy, right. guy in the pulpit this week, guy in the Caleb pulpit. Pearson. Hey. Thank you, Alicia. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Good, good, good. Well, thank you for um, bringing the word to us this past weekend. Um, yeah. Abby, I will come your way first. Sure. Is there anything that he has stood out to you? Uh, um, yeah. So I think this sermon in general um, tackled a lot of complicated topics a little like harder to understand maybe a little bit like Mm -hmm. it felt deep Mm -hmm. um but generally speaking i liked that the tie of that the signs authenticate the message the signs Mm -hmm. and wonders authenticate the message um just in that time period but also in our lives today like maybe we don't see signs and miracles the way they were recorded in bible times but there's still signs and miracles happening Mm. that can prove his character to us Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and the message of the gospel and who god is and his uh sovereign work yeah so caleb last week you uh hit sovereignty i chose some hard ones (laughs) you did and then this week you chose the light and fluffy uh i am glad i did signs and wonders i'm glad i did them in the order in which i did them too. Yes. Uh. Yes. So uh, uh, this is just a little aside. Uh-huh. So our small group had a little fun with this, Good. and we have uh, some inside jokes in our small group, and. It's a sign of a good small group. It is. It is. It's, we have a lot of fun. And so what we did is we demonstrated it through signs. And so when everybody pulled up to that, to we hosted it at our house. Uh-huh. And Andy and I had made all kinds of signs and everything had no signs way. all over our house. <laughs> That's hilarious. It was so fun. So anyway, it just, yeah, we had a good time with it. But yeah, we, we made, it. we we lightened it up a little bit because yeah. it was kind of a heavy, <laughs> complicated yeah. topic that you dove into. So why, why hit these hard topics? What's the value of discussing these things from the pulpit? Yeah, so if, if we're going to study Acts as a church, which we've already done, you're going to hit so many things that happen in a very miraculous, very special time of life, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the beginning of the church age. There's going to be markers to that that are like, wow, this is crazy. But because Acts is descriptive and not prescriptive text, you, you kind of have to keep going through the passage if you're going to do the book justice. Mm-hmm. And so over the last 18 months, there were certain topics we felt like we didn't necessarily do justice or we didn't explain that or... Or, or tease out the what does it look like to assume this today or chase after this today if it's happening here in a certain way. And so I mentioned, I think, last week on the podcast, but over the summer we finalized what, what we wanted these six weeks to look like. What, what are those topics? Do we feel like we could certainly at least devote one sermon to them? 
Uh, and then I, I told Mark, I said, you know, if it's cool with you, I want to, I want to wrestle. I want to jump on some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, teaching through acts was incredible, but there is this itch of like, what, what about us? That, that was the hardest part about teaching through acts. The jump to application is a little yeah. bit harder than other books. And so now the application is kind of the thing you actually wrestle with the most because you get to take the topic, take the passage and then go elsewhere. So the hardest part of these sermons, the last two weeks, ironically, was which, passage to give Jennifer for the online notes because I was like, <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you where I'm finding this in Acts, but we're going to see, I was in an elder meeting one time and Scott Newland said, if God said something once, odds are he said it again. Where else might he have said it? And how can that inform what we know about that topic? And that meant a lot to me and he's right. And you can go all over the place. So I just, I chose to do that yeah. and run with it. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Well, that's, it was kind of neat as I was studying this too. And I, I mean, you can see it all from Genesis to Revelation. It's, this topic is packed full in the scriptures. And mm-hmm. so pulling it apart is, is complicated and fun at the same time. But when we're considering the content of this weekend and our personal walk with the Lord, you, you had emphasized that the message is greater than the miracle, mm-hmm. which is true. And how, how can that be the driving force in our sanctification? How do we right. practically flesh this out with this message being greater than the miracle? Are we, I mean, we don't want to be seeking these experiences, but we want to be seeking truth. And how do we practically mm-hmm. do that? for the purpose of sanctification. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard. And that's why I wanted to start out with the ministry of Jesus and recap a little bit, because even though he's doing all of those things and, and it is impacting lives for the better, it's, Jesus was in the business of changing lives and, and saving people, not, not just from d- demonstrably in front of people from paralysis or from sickness, but there was something else he was interested in saving people for. And so that Mark passage and some of the stuff Peter talks about, again, Holy Spirit's poured out, people are getting saved, of all times to come up with something new and exciting. He could have given a, a sermon on the Spirit. Mm-hmm. He could have said, here's all the new fun things that we're getting ready to base our entire church age off of. Not what he did. He said, I'm going to tell you about Jesus, and you guys killed him. <laughs> we, you put him on the cross, and here's what he did, and, and that's the foundation for it all. And so I love that we, we get Jesus's emphasis, a man perfectly capable of harnessing signs and wonders and miracles, and yet still they were a means to an end. They weren't the meat of his ministry. They, were a, they, they had a supporting role. There was a purpose to them. And so to raise the value of the church— in reminding them that that, that that is the design for signs and wonders and miracles is to be support for the, the main thing, the, the meat of the ministry, or what I would say the heart of the matter. I felt like that'd be important, and I think scripturally it, it backs that up. Yeah, well, that really hit home to me, the the Mark 1 passage that you brought out. In Isn't that 20, such a good passage? 29 and, oh my like, goodness, Alicia. Even reading it, oh, it like I, builds, <laughs> it crescendos. It's so good. It does. And for, for those, just as a refresher, uh, Jesus, he heals uh, Simon Peter's mother-in-law mm-hmm. and it builds and it builds and builds. And But then the, the, the real, the thing that just jumped out and you brought this to light was in verse 38. And he said to them, let's go on to the next town that I may preach there also for this is why I came out. And he's done that before. Everyone's looking for you. Let's go somewhere else. He did that a lot. Yeah. So, so Jesus, he came to preach a message and the signs and the wonders 
were there to validate his message. And that just brings so much um, truth to the experiences mm-hmm. and and the purpose for them is to authenticate who Jesus is and it just the, where, the, where he is the power he is the way the truth and the life mm-hmm. and these signs are just showing us they're pointing us to him mm-hmm. they're right. pointing us to him but it can be easy to get caught up in that and like the excitement of it you know like oh wow he did this really cool thing do it again do it again mm-hmm. but it, that's not the point that's not what, like he said, let's go preach. Like, I'm not here. Let's go do more miracles. That's not what he was doing. He was like, no, let's go preach. That's why well, I'm here. Well, and, and think about it for a second. I, I tried to bring it out. Healing, what were the signs and wonders? Well, most often in Scripture, they're detailed. Healing the sick, he raised the dead, he cast out demons, right? Those are the specific examples of Jesus' ministry, and the apostles were able to do it as well. That Those were a benefit, of of the presence of of Jesus, but they weren't the ultimate reason. I mean, if, Jesus, if, if God sent His Son to come down here just to heal those who are paralyzed, well, are they going to walk around for forty, fifty years and then be dead in their sin and be separated from Him anyway? Like, no, it, it's all it, so that the dead can be brought to life. Like, if God's going to reveal Himself to us, it's not so we feel better about following Him. It's so okay. He is legit. Mm-hmm. This this is how mm-hmm. he has chosen to reveal himself. Yeah. And if we can point, this is the fun part, but it doesn't matter what passage it is. It doesn't matter what topic it is. Raise the value of biblical dependency. Call people to have a vested interest in their Bibles, in their scripture, in their word, because that's how God has chosen to communicate to them. It's the number one means. It's what we have. Mm-hmm. And if we can point people to that and people can wrestle with it, I think that's a success to mm-hmm. to, a, to a, a weekend service. I mean, I mean, Tim's going to be doing the role of the Spirit, the, I, the ministry of Jesus, ministry of the apostles, and then the ministry of His people. That was the outline of my sermon. I didn't want to to hit on the ministry of the Spirit then and now. That we we are going to hit on that. So, it's, how does it all fit together, and how can we really appreciate the acts we've already read, mm-hmm. but then facilitate the wrestling now, which clearly mm-hmm. we're doing, you know, in community groups, and and I've loved the the feedback and the questions and the wrestling. What about this verse? What about that verse? Great questions. Yeah. Let's handle it. Let's yeah. read it. Let's yeah. study it. Figure it out. But it, the the call here is so clear, and and Paul reminds us of that that First Corinthians fourteen stuff. You guys, he says, love is everything. First Corinthians thirteen. That's mm-hmm. going to be the greatest gift you can lean on. So right. if you want a gift to lean on in and ministry, it's, it's love. <laughs> and then he says, and along with that, let's try to prioritize prophecy when it comes to the believers and, and tongues when it comes to unbelievers or, or Jews who need clarity, people who need saving. And then there's uh, the 1 Corinthians 14, 26, which I didn't get to uh, in the in the sermon. Uh, tongues actually can be edifying and, and can build up the body of Christ if there's an interpreter. So, so Paul does detail these ways in which signs and wonders can exist and, mm-hmm. and can be, uh, how do I say, uh, appropriately valued and carried out. But the call for us and what we should be seeking after in our lives is clear. And so that was the tension there. You know, right. do I do I do I bring up tongues and prophecy at all this weekend? Well I, I wanted to. When people hear oh talking about signs and wonders, that's probably what they're they're thinking. That's those are some of the first ones that come to mind. They're the most controversial. But Jesus was casting out demons and people were getting raised to life. Mm-hmm. We don't really wrestle over those ones. So so what's the you know, how do you do it justice? How do you let the text speak for itself? and equip people to wrestle with it because you really want to get to a point where 
if you offend anybody, that's something to evaluate. But if scripture offends anybody, that's something to stand behind. And and there's a tension there. And so yeah. it And we we experienced that last night in our small group and okay. in our we all come from different walks of life mm-hmm. and different experiences and all the different denominational backgrounds and Absolutely. there are godly theologians and Christians on both sides of the issue mm-hmm. because this the signs and wonders is complicated and mm-hmm. it's controversial. And so what is the balance between holding things with open hands, which the world calls being open-minded, sure. with standing up for truth and holding true to what the scriptures are teaching and saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great question because even the apostles themselves prayed that they would handle the word of God boldly with confidence. Mm-hmm. So there's there's obviously grounds for standing up for truth and saying like here's what it says, here's what it seems to mean. Can we please, you know, lean on this? Mm-hmm. But I'm reminded of a story I heard about RC Sproul. He uh, one of the greatest communicators of his time, this guy. And he would always ask his wife after he's done speaking, How'd I do? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something I've, I've asked mm-hmm. Hannah. How, how, how do you th- think I, my go-to phrase is, how did that go in your eyes, right? Like, you know, give me some feedback here. <laughs> and she'll tell you the and, truth. And she'll tell me, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Um, after she wakes up, oh, you, oh, you were teaching? No, I was kidding. Uh, but he realized about halfway through his, his whatever you want to call it, uh, he stopped asking her that question, how'd I do? And started asking her, um, was I kind? Mm-hmm. Because some of her feedback over the years was, yeah, you did great. But I, I guess for him, there was an, you know, maintain humility, maintain, hold, we hold everything open-handed in front of the Lord, and we're here to be obedient. And that stuck out to me of like, let me make sure I'm kind as well. I'm not saying I, I was unkind this weekend by any stretch, but I'm a 27-year-old energetic guy that gets so passionate about this stuff and wants to communicate it so effectively. But you're right. How do we acknowledge the A core issue of Jesus in the gospel? And then wrestle with some of these B mm-hmm. issue things mm-hmm. that, that absolutely should not divide the church, mm-hmm. right? The, no, we can dive into a topic, but not create discourse right. in the church. And so, and so the hope is that that doesn't happen, but that we can all wrestle with it. And regardless of the denomination or background, my denomination and background is this building. I still had to come face to face and wrestle with this. Mm-hmm. So, okay, why do I believe what I believe? And which texts support that? so that I'm not just leaning on my own experience. Right. Um, I had a, a gentleman come up to me after the nine o'clock hour and he said, I appreciate I appreciated what you shared. He happened to grow up in a church where he developed a deep shame and guilt and embarrassment that he never could speak in tongues even though everyone around him could and mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. And it like warped his view of, of God and him mm-hmm. because he was didn't feel able to do these certain things. Mm-hmm. And it's just so easy I think for us to hijack certain things in scripture mm-hmm. and then we become experience driven mm-hmm. or, or, or seeker driven or this, that, and the other. And so the, to answer your question, and it's a great one, like the balance rests in humility and kindness, yet also boldly sharing God's truth, right? Mm-hmm. You can see the ditch on either side in today's society, even in church culture, the, the Bible thumping, mean headed, okay, I don't, that, I don't know if he's a good leader. And then churches are catering. Mm-hmm. Churches are catering to whatever brings in offering, whatever brings in attendance. People are adding and subtracting to Scripture because it's easier. Famous theologians are saying we're done teaching the Old Testament, which is a disobedience of a New Testament verse for starters. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's just it gets crazy. So, 
I, I, I'd, I'd stick to that answer. Was I kind in how I did it? Did mm. I, did I get people to come face to face with the text or at least to a spot where they can go, huh? You know, I never thought about it that way. Yeah. And I think that's the role of the weekend, yeah, right? No, I don't want right. everybody leaving after 40 right. minutes going like, sweet. Right. If anybody's leaving feeling 100% excited and like, I got it. Uh, that worries me more than somebody leaving going, I'm going to have to think about that. Mm-hmm. Like that, that warms my heart way more when I hear that. I'm going to have to think about that. Yeah. Please, please do. Open her up. <laughs> Because yeah. well, this is how you're going to hear from him. Yeah. <laughs> one of the one of the questions that we had last night in regards to the signs and wonders for evangelical purposes mm-hmm. was we, we were not to be seeking the signs and the wonders first, but the message. But as a church, do we believe that the Holy Spirit is able to do these things? And and the example that was given is say one of example in your group that was yes, given an okay. example like in africa you know in a desert in africa mm-hmm. somewhere versus our churches here in virginia and what kinds of signs and wonders that are being displayed because we hear stories about things that are happening mm-hmm. on the other side of the world that are very dramatic that are mm-hmm. you know people are being healed people are being mm-hmm. freed from demons there are visions and words and uh, you know all of these signs and wonders mm-hmm. that people are coming to faith that seem of god and mm-hmm. so how like how do we wrestle with that tension with what's happening around the world versus what's happening here in our churches in virginia yeah and that's where you find the balance of y- you want to hesitate to preach or teach he he can't do any of that and he won't do any of that it's not going to happen there, there's no biblical text that that puts God in a box and guarantees what the Spirit will or won't do today. But you do want to emphasize what the text calls us to do. If you want to know what we need to channel and we need to chase after, the Great Commission has no spiritual caveat to it. Mm-hmm. it it's it's very knowledge-based. That that Peter passage uh, is such a winner. Uh, let, me, let me just pull it up here. Because it, this passage is either true or it isn't. There's not a whole lot of, of middle ground here. Um, grace which, and peace be mul- sorry. Second, Second Peter one two through four. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Seeing now, now listen to these spiritual words. Seeing that His divine power has granted us that's a, that's an already happened, granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through what the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. And then listen to the participatory portion of this passage. For by these he granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. So what would it take for a Christian today in 2023 to want to partake in the divinity, to want to partake in the divine nature, to want to see his divine power granted? Mm -hmm. Well, it's the knowledge of Jesus and an awareness of his promises. Mm -hmm. That's what's going to allow me to participate and to partake. Add to that all all the Bible does and all Paul does to point people back. You know, don't don't slip back into other gospels or this, that, and the other. He, he, He calls out false teachers within the church all the time. He's rarely addressing false people outside of the church. He's he's writing to these people saying, There are wolves among you and they're gonna tickle your ears and and you're gonna leave with a different gospel. Maybe it's law-based. We, we always fight against the law-based gospel. People my age are not 
Uh, this is probably an overgeneralization, might upset some people, but I don't think we're fighting against the ditch on the other side of the the free reign spiritual based gospel. Mm-hmm. Like, don't fall into legalism. Of course not. Don't fall back into law, but don't enter into no man's land either mm-hmm. and embrace the you do you, I'll do me. We can all summon this, that, and the other thing. Uh, it, it's common. It's out there. It's everywhere. But the knowledge of God and his promises, that's what we cling to, and I think it's what we seek. And it, it ought to be what we—we we should be seeking the lost, not the, the, the spiritual interactions. Um, and so Paul goes to great lengths, 1 Corinthians 14. I encourage people to study it. Handle these things well. Uh, prophecies meant for the church. Uh, lean on prophecy. If you're going to do the other stuff, have an interpreter and know the original audience and, and let it be uh, evangelistic. Let it, let it lead to the death being brought to life and not so we can all leave church with goosebumps. Yeah. But it's hard. Okay. It, it, so that first, first Corinthians 14, mm-hmm. I have a few questions. Yeah. <laughs> and we talked about this a little bit before we went on air. But um, first of all, how how can we know what the meaning of tongues is? So in Acts 2 for mm-hmm. Pentecost, it's definitely applied to foreign languages. Mm-hmm. And then in 1 Corinthians 14, mm-hmm. um, it seems like there could be that aspect of it. And then also the aspect of a mysterious prayer language. So it, the, the waters get a little muddy. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'd like you first to clarify that and then um, I'd like you to unpack where you had addressed verses 20 through 25, mm-hmm. talking about the tongues being a sign for unbelievers and prophecy being for believers, and um, just kind of unpack that a little bit deeper in the meaning behind that those six verses there. So that's a yeah. loaded question. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but yeah. I know you're ready for no, it. No, it's a, it's a great question. I mean... I, I, so the meaning I, of tongues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't immediately leap to the conclusion that 1 Corinthians 14 tongue and Acts 2 tongue are, are different, guaranteed to be different uses of the word. Uh, I'm seeing in this this glossary here, like the, the, the word for tongue, glossa, 1 Corinthians 14, 2, the language or dialect used by a particular people, distinct from that of other nations. So I would say let's let's not immediately spiritually define a word that could be defined grammatically. Mm-hmm. Uh, at first glance, 1 Corinthians 14 is speaking about spiritual giftedness and, and gifts. It's speaking about how to be in the Spirit. But if you do a, a word study and if you study the Greek of 1 Corinthians 14, 1 and 2, the word gifts isn't actually used there. He, he's more accurately talking about spiritual things and things that are happening by the Spirit, not necessarily in the Spirit. Now, I, I'm not trying to either step on Tim's toes or what we're going to talk about from the pulpit over the next couple of weeks, but I would just say, yes, it's hard. It's dicey. I wanted to bring out those five verses because he uses uh, Isaiah 28, 11, and 12. Mm-hmm. Israel had rejected God's clear and simple message to them in their own language, Soon he would speak to them from the Assyrians. He said, people with strange lips and foreign tongues. In other words, Paul's saying his message for them would become less clear, and that's as a result of his judgment for their sin. That's Isaiah 28 stuff. Mm-hmm. How, why is Paul connecting that to what's happening in Corinth? Well, he's helping them see that the clear teaching that comes from the practice of prophecy is going to be better and more beneficial for them than the lack of meaning that results if we are using tongues without an interpreter mm-hmm. and without a, a, outreach in mind. And so he, he's pointing them to prophecy and that phrase, the this people of, of the, uh, the Assyrian, the Isaiah 28 language, 
the prophecy about these signs and wonders was never to be over-prescribed to, to now. The, the Bible seems to be pointing to, I'm going to use them for these people at this time, and they're still not even going to get the message. Which was in a form of judgment. Which was a form of judgment. Right, right. Them. And so that's where sound Bible study comes in, because now you go, okay, whoa, like, if that's a form of judgment, and if they're dropping the ball on it, why would we grab a verse like that and run with it, mm-hmm. and then and then try to channel tongues or, or try to over spiritualize maybe what we shouldn't necessarily today? Mm-hmm. It's it's dicey. It's hard. Uh, the basis of First Corinthians fourteen is First Corinthians thirteen. Mm-hmm. He's gonna beat him over the head with the idea of love. Right. If you want to pursue a gift in in the church, let it be love. Right. As fun as it is to talk about the other hard stuff. If we're loving, if we're acknowledging the A core issue of Jesus and the gospel, the two, 10 commandments given to the Israelites couldn't do it. Jesus came down, simplified it all 10 into two, love God, love others. Yeah. If we can be doing that, then we can handle these the, the nitty gritty, this stuff that we can all wrestle with and disagree on and, and try to figure out. But so man, let's move on to the next yeah. verse uh, after 25 is 26. Yep. I'll read it. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a mm-hmm. revelation, a tongue, or mm-hmm. an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Mm-hmm. Talk about that. Sure. Yeah. So the question is, uh, tongues were were not designed for the edification or building up of the body of Christ, but yet we seem to have a verse that says all things are to be done for edification. What's the difference there? Well, 1 Corinthians 14.26 tells us that interpreters matter, and interpretation to be associated with the unknown language matters. Mm -hmm. So if Paul's going to say, hey guys, and this is in the middle of a letter, by the way, so you can imagine how long it takes to study, love matters, and as you gather, please lean on prophecy instead of tongues. Tongues are for the unbeliever. So designed for, we don't get that theology from 1 Corinthians 14, 26. The, the, the designed for is not there, but he does list it, so we can't ignore it. Mm-hmm. Don't, spiritualize, don't spiritually define something can, that can be defined grammatically. What is the outcome then, brothers and sisters? The, what's the practical outcome of everything I'm telling you? Well, when you assemble, each one's going to have a psalm, each one's going to have a teaching, some are going to have a revelation, each has a language, tongue, each has a language and has an interpretation. All those things are to be done for edification. So God cannot be put in a box, and I, I wanted to bring this out, and if I had more time, we could have. The, the, the goal is not to snuff out the spiritual. We don't want to sit on a stoic, intellectual book of words to the, to the point that we're trying to snuff out the work of the Spirit. But... If there, if there are not unbelieving people present who could benefit from all of a sudden understanding the message of Christ in their language, and there isn't somebody available to interpret it so that the body of Christ doesn't fall victim to the, 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 the live action real life testimony I got this weekend of the guy who no one interpreted the tongues around him, so he interpreted that he was lesser of a Christian because he couldn't do it, you start to see the slippery slope. Mm-hmm. So... To, to copy and paste 1 Corinthians 14, 26 and apply it to today and then spiritually define it and subtract the phrase interpreter present, now you see where we get where we get. It, it can be very hard. Well, and also remembering context too because the letter is written to the Corinthian church who who have been practicing an error. Like they're, oh, they're, yeah. they've been messing up. And, yep. and so these words are... They confuse the signs. Yes, they did. <laughs> and so it's to bring, to bring mm-hmm. order and conduct mm-hmm. for the edification of the body mm-hmm. uh, and 
so there, you know, there's also purpose behind this letter too mm-hmm. that is very corrective. In and nature. so, and so, when we come together, which we were this weekend, corporate assembly coming together, let's handle the word. Let's focus on prophecy. Uh, how can we understand spiritual gifts today? Like that's something I didn't really dive into. This was a this was a, a sermon on signs and wonders and miracles. It was not a sermon on the spirit. It was not a sermon on spiritual gifts. Those are a whole other. You can spin off into all sorts of stuff. We're going to cover that a little bit. But spiritual gifts today are practical ways God uses us, our, our giftedness, the way the world would see it, our personality, our temperament, our abilities, so that it builds up the body of Christ. That's 1 mm-hmm. Corinthians 12. Mm-hmm. So, so spiritual gifts, the unity of the body coming together, and then an overemphasis of love, and then he handles this kind of stuff. That means though a, firmly, a firm understanding of both of those things is going to be crucial to our understanding of of tongues, which is just one example yeah, of signs and wonders. Yeah, that helps bring clarity because of sense? what the connection of the spiritual gifts in First Corinthians 12 all the way up to where we're at in 14, you can see that progression. Well, because we'd so be in trouble if you did this one first. If, if First Corinthians 12 was this, <laughs> and then First Corinthians 13 was spiritual gifts, and then he kind of ended a caveat in 14 saying, like, actually, actually, you know, also, also love. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's saying love, 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 and also... Please handle the signs and wonders in a way that the message matters more than the miracle. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? If, if, if I would love, I don't think I'm going to because of where I live in the culture today, but if I ever had an unbelieving Jew and an interpreter and something super spiritual happened, I think that'd be pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. But the role of interpretation is what? what? What does an interpreter do? It brings clarity <laughs> to the message. Yeah. What, what is actually, so you can understand. It, it, it's the what is happening. It's the what is this all about? And you study the ministry of the apostles, you study the ministry of Jesus, you get a very good picture of what it's all about. Mm -hmm. And it in no way is so the Christian can high-five himself on the way home from church and say, six more days or whatever, and then I'll be back. Mm -hmm. No, We we have a compelling message. And so the fun part is man, how do I do that in 35 minutes <laughs> and and not condemn or, or make anybody feel lesser because of their background, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that's the, teachers are going to be held in stricter judgment, you know, yeah. the, right. for good reason. Right. Because if scripture offends anybody, I'm going to stand by it till the cows come home. But mm-hmm. if I offend anybody, that's worth reevaluating. Let's, let's let God speak. And that's yeah. why our greatest evangelistic tool isn't even the one they had. Right. Yeah. Of course it was their evangelistic tool. They did not have the scriptures. Mm-hmm. The dude went up into the clouds. They had to have been like, what, what, <laughs> what do we do what now? Do we do now? <laughs> Even after the spirit was poured out, there was probably like, what, what is going to happen to build up your church? Boom. Oh, wow. That's what's going to happen. Let me follow these guys around. They're touching people. They're getting healed. Demons are being cast out. But either the completion of the scriptures means nothing to us, or it means everything to us, and so I wanted to I wanted to err on the side of everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so I have one more. Perfect. <laughs> and then we'll wrap this baby up. So, with the varying beliefs and interpretation of the meaning of the signs mm-hmm. and the wonders mm-hmm. and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, how can we be charitable to our brothers and sisters in Christ who think and practice it differently than we do? And remembering that this is a non essential category to salvation right Mm -hmm. right so 
that's important. And praise the Lord, it's not a justification issue, right? right? We're not a seeker-friendly Sunday morning church. It's for the edification of the body of Christ to equip them to seek the lost. So when we come together, and that's the point of of revisiting these hard topics, we have sanctification in mind when we're mm-hmm. wrestling with this. It's about equipping the Christian to to, to attain the maturity, to reach that spot. And prepare to un- and deploy. Uh, prepare and deploy. I can tell you're on the <laughs> communications team. Abby's like, man, it sounds like we're preparing and deploying dependent disciples. You're right. You're totally right. Uh, because that's what it's all about. And so, yeah, I think it's a great question, Alicia. And it's we acknowledge that I love you. Uh, this is not a salvific issue. This is a this is the the workings of the spirit at play here, and and what that's going to look like, and when in our life, and how to work on faith, and then ultimately just let the text speak for itself. And we're going to wrestle. Uh, none of us have arrived. Yeah. And another thing is is I I just think about all the different people who are born again believers mm-hmm. who love Jesus and who flesh this out differently. Mm-hmm. And the work of the spirit in their life is God glorifying. And if yeah. God is being glorified, then that is the main thing because it's pointing to who this is all about. And if I, if I do all these things and have not love, I'm a clanging cymbal right. and a sounding gong. Th- think about m- my ability and, and the, the church giving me opportunities to teach and speak. That means the, the possibility of me becoming a clanging cymbal and a sounding <laughs> gong, this dude, he's just annoying us with words if there's not love involved. And so we think about our ministry. Oh my goodness, Alicia, I think it's a great question. Let's lean on the love of it all. And we want a little bit of diversity in the sense of we're all different and Jesus died for us anyway. How yeah. great is that? Yeah. Uh, we don't want to create community groups that are an echo chamber of 100% agreement on certain little whatevers in, right. in Scripture. Yeah. Let's wrestle with it together. And no matter what happens, no matter who disagrees with you, we ought to be able to disagree well. Mm-hmm. If, if Christianity can start to pioneer that charge of being able to disagree well again in society, I think the Lord could use that. I think the Spirit could use it miraculously in a lot of ways because nobody's doing that anymore. Nobody has civil discourse. Civil discourse does not exist anymore. We have never been closer to civil war than civil discourse than we are right now since the last civil war. Like People don't want to disagree, but what a beautiful thing to disagree about and then go to and say, okay, Lord. Like and you are our God. The beauty of diversity mm-hmm. among Christians is we all have the same spirit who is indwelling within us. Yeah. And that and he's is not going to uni- be at conflict. No, and it's a unifying. Mm-hmm. So that's something that we can definitely celebrate. And then God's character. He cannot deny himself. He's mm-hmm. not going to act out of accordance with his character. So if we ever believe the lie that he is, sometimes, ladies, there are super duper spiritual things happening around this world. And there's another spiritual realm at work, too. And we need to have the discernment and the biblical dependency to recognize what is of God and what isn't. Because God and the enemy are both working spiritual messages and, and both trying to communicate to us. The devil will do it loudly. He will rush. He will quicken. He will shame. God's much more subtle. Be calm and loving. In fact, sometimes in the height of the moment, people will want him to speak louder And just like Jesus, he's going somewhere else for a little bit. Yeah. 
Well, thank you for bringing the word to us this weekend. Yeah, it was fun. I think you did a fantastic job. You were kind <laughs> in well, your good. deliverance, and <laughs> and I just I I think that you handled this topic extremely well and were faithful to the scriptures, and I think that mm. God was glorified through it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Caleb. Thank you, Abby. The fact of the matter, guys, is that sermons are not meant to take an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. Until next week, much love and God bless.